Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Hello Pistons fans, and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, all here with you this week. And Well, Detroit kind of just, uh, they're in an interesting phase right now. You could take out the brooms. We swept the Raptors season series. Uh, Dwayne Casey going 3-0 and against his old team, which is pretty cool to see. But then Detroit also finds a way to uh, lose to the Cavaliers without Kevin Love. Yes, Blake Griffin rested, but there's no excuse. And we talked about this. We'll get into this on the pod. We talked about it last week. There's no excuse to not beat the Cavaliers with or without Blake Griffin. None. So anyways, Detroit... Falls to Cleveland. They get the sweep over Toronto. They pick up a win last night over Phoenix. Uh, in Phoenix, able to pull away and, and win that one pretty um, handily. So, guys, Detroit just kind of hanging in the balance right now. Maybe a little Jekyll and Hyde we're seeing out of this Pistons team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Well, first off, I'm kind of a little taken back that I didn't even get a, you know, hey, guys, how's it going? How we doing today? It was just right into it. Right into the business. We're doing the business. Right hey, into the business. We're doing, it's, we're in, I'm in playoff mode. I kind of just had to check myself in, um, lock myself into playoff mode now that this is really looking like a realistic thing. You know, we beat Phoenix yesterday. I'm business today. Yeah, well, uh, it really is a Jacqueline Hyde Ryan, how are you doing business. today? <laughs> Brendan, I'm great. I'm great. I couldn't be better. How are you? You know what? I'm fantastic. Michigan State basketball got a win yesterday. Pistons basketball got a win yesterday. That, that You know, it's a perfect, perfect game. Sure, sure. So, back to reality here because Michigan State's bound to lose in, very soon in the tournament. Yeah, um, yeah. Detroit really is a Jekyll and Hyde team. I, it's, it's baffling that they go out and lose to Cleveland. Even if Cleveland shoots the ball as, as hot as they did, you know, yeah, that's that's you, you tip your cap to Nick Stauskas for coming out and having you know a, a great game, playing really well off the bench. You tip your hat to some of the shots that Jordan Clarkson can make, but ultimately Detroit just played a, a terrible game defensively. They were not locked in on that end whatsoever, and I mean, you just can't afford to lose those kind of games when you're in the position that Detroit is in. Mm-hmm. You, you know. You don't play with Blake Griffin. You have to expect your other guys to step up around you, and that's you know Reggie Jackson, that's Andre Drummond, Wayne Ellington, Luke Kennard, the whole crew really. And Andre has his night, you know, twenty-one and twenty-one with five assists, two steals, one block. He ha- he was really good in that game, but Jackson only has fifteen points. Granted, he only played twenty-four minutes mm-hmm. because Dwayne Casey's really loving what his Smith is bringing right now, and I am too. But, you know, Stom Maker was an absolute nightmare in that Just game. Just a liability in that game. Got exposed the entire game. You know, a lot of your production came from the bench. Bruce Brown only got you five points. But, you know, you have Luke Kennard shooting to a nine from the field. Langston Galloway only shot 40% from the field. Glenn Robinson shot 43% from the field. You know, he, he had a nice game. Um, but he's, you know, back out of the rotation. So weird. To see his situation where he's in and out, and when he's in, you know, he's making some nice plays, but doesn't really stick in the rotation. But 
just didn't have it on the defensive end. It wasn't the offense that cost Detroit that game. They scored 119 points, but when you let up 126 points to a Cleveland Cavaliers team that's led by Colin Sexton and Marquise Chris is playing 20 minutes. I mean, Nick Stauskas played 25 minutes. It's baffling, and it's embarrassing because you have teams like the Brooklyn Nets who they find themselves down in a game against the Sacramento Kings. They go on a 25-point comeback to win that game. You know, that's the fight that that team has. And when you go out without Blake Griffin and you lose, that's disappointing. And then, you know, you beat Toronto, but then you go out against Phoenix, and for the majority of the game, you really did not play very well. And I went out on Twitter and I said, you know, that's, you know, yeah, it's a win, but Blake doesn't play well. Uh, Andre wasn't there for most of the game. The team didn't defend well again. Not a great win. And I got all these people saying, well, they won by 20 points. Well, yeah, they did win by 20 points because they decided mm-hmm. to play a nice fourth quarter. But when this team checks themselves out against bad teams and doesn't play well on defense, guys like Blake aren't working hard, aren't making those extra plays, aren't closing out. You know, we talk about how Blake's effort is infectious to the team when they play with more effort and they die for those loose balls like Blake does. When he doesn't do that, we see the same kind of thing. So uh, it's really disappointing to see Detroit go out and lose to those bad teams. you got to be able to capitalize uh, uh, in those games and just kind of build on what you've been doing all mm-hmm. season. But then, you know, you go out and beat Toronto, you beat those better teams in the league, and it's like, just what the heck. And that's a Toronto game that, like, they were not missing. When I say they were not missing, I mean, they shot such a great percentage. They shot 48% from the field and 50% from three. 18 of 36 from three. Even without uh, Lowry in that game, it really didn't matter because Van Vliet was lights out. He played in every aspect of the game. Yep. Every aspect. Defense, offense, all of it. Lights out. So it didn't even matter that uh, Kyle Lowry didn't play in that game for them. Yet the Pistons come away with them. And that's what's frustrating because then you get back to Cleveland. And one... It's one thing to be disappointed that the Pistons scored 119 points in a game and didn't win, but it's another thing, and I understand that Cleveland's been playing well lately. They just beat the Bucs, they beat the Pistons, all, and they've been beating good teams, playing better ball. But not only didn't they have Kevin Love, but they were out without Larry Nance and without Tristan Thompson. I mean, what the hell is that? And it's the same thing. It's the and, same thing like the Phoenix game. You know, they were without Tyler Johnson. They were without. T.J. Warren. They were without Kelly Oubre, who's been playing really good ball. Fantastic ball lately. You know, the, the Suns were just as beat down as the Cavs were, and Detroit, with a full slate of help, just didn't come out and play as good as they should have. I don't care that they won by 20. You should have won that game by 40, and it should have been over by the first half. It, it should not have taken such a good fourth quarter to win that game. That's what I, how I kind of put it out there, because I didn't really watch much of the game yesterday. Like, what what's happened here? Why is... What led us to this like ninety to eighty four point or whatever it was? And when I started watching in, and people were responding with the Pistons just kind of have been playing terrible ball right now. The just refs suck. Flat. I heard I heard the refs it was were flat. They were they were just sloppy. I mean they they'd run a good play, then they go three times down the floor. Like what are you doing? You I think know? I think it all stems back to the defensive end. You know the team's not closing out. They're mm-hmm. not defending the three point line. And you know I know that's been a storyline for them this season where. They, they've had a good three-point defense, but they really don't contest as many threes as other teams in the league. But that's going to eventually come to come back to bite you. You know, they have to rotate better. They have to rotate faster. They can't keep getting a man behind in the, in the in a defensive play because they're giving away just too many open threes, and it's killing the defense. And then when they start letting up offensive rebounds, it just all starts to crumble for them. And yesterday was just... An epitome of you really played like the worst team in the league, and you got away with a win. But that was just like in my mind, that's just not even a win with how bad they played for the first three quarters. 
That's kind of tough to hear, I'm not going to lie, considering I only saw the good quarter, essentially. So saw, and, and it's I, funny, That's all I saw. And it's funny because it shows how important Andre Drummond is because Andre played I thought you were going a, a different game. direction with that. I think it shows how important Ryan paid tuning into the Pistons games is. <laughs> I Are mean, you freaking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, hey, I tuned in for the one good quarter, and you're not even going to show him some love. You're throwing shit at me for not saying, hey, how's it going? How's everybody doing today? You get a prime example, and you're just, like, going to brush over that? Just to talk about Andre, that's what you're going to do? Well, here's the thing with Andre. You know, he starts the game 2 of 11 from the floor. Gets in foul trouble and comes in in the fourth quarter, shoots five of seven. Right, he played man ball. I'll, yeah. Like in the fourth quarter, I was like, "Wait, has Dre been like this all game?" And this is what the score is. Yeah, no. I was going to freak out if I, that was I, the case. Drummond did not play a good game through the first three quarters. Comes in in the fourth, finishes the game with sixteen points and nineteen rebounds, mm-hmm. and you know he had a terrible game going into the fourth, and he just absolutely takes over. And that's like the only thing that won the Pistons the game. You know, Luke Kennard kind of came up off the bench. You know, he's been struggling lately. He put together a nice game off the he bench. Did. But Blake did not play well, shot the ball terribly, was invisible pretty much on defense. Um, Wayne Ellington had another nice game. Back to back, 20 plus point performances from him. Had 25 against Cleveland, 23 last night against Phoenix. Um, but I mean, Reggie Jackson a little bit sloppy with the ball after a hot start. Didn't shoot the ball as well, so there's just a lot of like this. This team is just so inconsistent at times. It's, yeah. it's mind-boggling to see like that they're the sixth seed right now. Well, in, in a positive spin, real quick. Sure, it's a good thing to see that next step in Andre Drummond's maturation, where he had a poor three quarters and was able to come in and absolutely take over the game in the fourth. Oh yeah, that's something I'm happy about, and I'm excited to see. And I think we can carry over into the playoffs. Not that we're going to make any sort of big run, but knowing Dre has that cap- like capability now, he's his mindset is on that. I think it's huge for this team. I give Ryan all the credit. I'm just letting everybody Thank you, know Brennan. right now. I appreciate it. So the Pistons currently sit in the sixth seed at 37 and 34, but this begs the question: the Pistons went three and zero versus Toronto this year. And there's a lot of people that are having the conversation or at least thinking this dirty thought. Should the Pistons tank for the seventh seed so they draw Toronto in the first round of the playoffs instead of having to play Philadelphia? And Aaron, I will start with you. What are your thoughts on this, um, what I'll label as interesting Pistons take? Well, I think when you look at what the Pistons have done against Toronto this year, they've seen Toronto without Kawhi Leonard. They've seen Toronto without Kyle Lowry. And then we've they've seen Toronto with both Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry. They've won all three times. Uh, no Serge Ibaka in the first game. But they've played really good basketball against them. <laughs> Brandon, we know your pessimistic take is coming. Um, but the Pistons have played some of the best basketball this season against Toronto. You have a coach in Dwayne Casey who's familiar with their system, knows their head coach like the back of his head, uh, and just has a familial, familiarity. I can't say that word, and I think we've talked about familiarity? that. Familiarity? We've talked about that on the podcast before, that I can't say that word. Quite a few words you can't say. Oh! Okay. okay. <laughs> so it appears two new spots opened up for co-hosting the Palace of Pistons podcast. If you're interested, just One small joke. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. It should be one spot because you can't pronounce words. How are you on a podcast? God. That's going to be the worst podcast ever. Aaron and his illiterate friends. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. You can subscribe on iTunes, by the way. Uh, but the Pistons have played the best basketball of the season against Toronto. We've seen 
Blake Griffin have good games. We've seen Andre Drummond have good games. We've seen Reggie Jackson have good games. The, really, the whole team has played well against Toronto. I think when you look at what Toronto has, it's easiest to see the Pistons match up with them because outside of Kawhi Leonard, they can match up with anyone on that roster. And you can let Kawhi Leonard kind of explode because he's going to explode really against anyone. But if Detroit can can do their job to, you know, have you know Bruce Brown defending Kyle Lowry and uh, you know stopping Lowry, who has also had his fair share of bad play in the playoffs, and we know the Raptors' history of not playing all too well in the playoffs. You have Dwayne Casey, who knows the system that they run there, knows how they played in the playoffs in previous seasons, and you've beaten them three times this year. You know, it's not been like. Oh, the Raptors just don't play well against the Pistons. We just talked about how well the Raptors played against the Pistons, and the Pistons were still able to get the job done. You want to match up with Toronto. They're a team we've seen them beat. They know how they play. And quite frankly, Toronto just maybe isn't as good as everyone thought they were going to be. And they're a great team. They are very, very good. But I just And it's not like the Pistons are going to win a playoff series either. They're not going to beat Toronto in a series. But if you're looking for a competitive series, Toronto is, in my opinion, the best matchup for them. You talk about matchups, and I think the most crucial matchup that we're looking for in the first round um, with Toronto or Philly is the Andre Drummond matchup. And I think Drummond is going to match up much better against Marcus Gasol. Am I wrong about that? Absolutely not. I didn't think so. And I think that's because I think that's the most important player right now for the Pistons going into a playoff series. And I I just think he's gonna he'll he'll outscore him, he'll outrebound him, better assist numbers, everything. He's got better block, all of it. The whole shebang. Andre Drummond is gonna win that matchup. Whereas against Joel Embiid, it might be a little bit different. You know how Joel Embiid flops. He might follow Andre Drummond out in the first quarter in a playoff series because of how crazy he is and how much the refs love him and how much he gets away with. That is the most important matchup for me. And anytime Dre wins his matchup, the Pistons have a better chance of winning the game. You know, I look at this, and I, I think you have a very valid point with the Andre Drummond matchup. Because the Andre Drummond matchup is significantly better in the Toronto series. Nobody can argue that. But the reason I'm not sure that I want to see Toronto in the first round... Because Aaron claims Detroit won't win a playoff series. Well, okay, that's fine. So then would you rather have to beat Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry or Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? The Sixers are much more than just those two guys, though. And we'll talk about the Sixers a little bit later in the show, but let's just leave this right there for now because the Sixers are much more than Ben Simmons I'm gonna and tell Joel you, Embiid. I'm going to tell you, I do not want to be the team that plays a healthy Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. Because um, despite the fact that Detroit has taken the three regular season games, we've seen them barely clinch on to wins, very close games, uh, and two of them where Toronto was missing either Lowry or Leonard. So the only game that was you know at full strength, and obviously both teams were significantly different then and you know as they are now with some roster changes at the deadline and things like that but was that 106 104 win in Toronto early in the season the return to Toronto for 
uh, Dwayne Casey. I still very vividly remember Aaron celebrating the victory of that game like Detroit had just, you know, clinched the NBA Finals. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for me it's just there's too much star power on that Toronto team. And a guy like Kawhi in the Eastern Conference doesn't lose in the first round. And when I say doesn't lose, I not only mean doesn't lose the series, I don't think he loses a game. So I just, I would rather play Philly. I love Indiana. I don't, don't, don't want to see Toronto in the first round. I mean, I don't have a rebuttal to that because I'm on Aaron's side on this one. We've already made our case. We're going to talk about Philly more as we go on in the pod, and we'll we'll hash it out then. Well, you know, so the thing is, Detroit, you know, they've got a big three-game series coming up anyways. So they're right now just slightly up in that sixth spot, but Brooklyn hanging in right there. Remember, Detroit had played a few less games than Brooklyn, so as Brooklyn has a couple nights off, Detroit's able to collect a couple more wins to, you know, separate themselves in the standings, but... Now, Detroit has three huge games, starting in Portland. Um, and you got Denver. This is going to tell you a lot about this little road stretch here for Detroit. Well, they have three big games. and it, you know, You're in Portland and you're in Golden State, then you're in Denver. Yeah. Portland's without C.J. McCollum. You know, that's something going in Detroit's. Favor in Why is it? All, like, I'm not complaining by any means, but it seems like it all. Like it's Detroit's really been lucky this year, playing teams that have been resting guys or have not had a you know, a significant player on the floor with them. I mean, it's happened a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They absolutely have been lucky when it comes to that. But you know, when you play Portland without CJ McCollum, that's a game that they need to go out and they need to win. Then you have Golden State. And unless Golden State's resting Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant, I'm resting Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin in that game. I'm giving both of them another night off. Andre, who just doesn't ever get a night off, I just think it'd be beneficial just to give him one because we saw him when he got a couple days of rest when he was out with that concussion, mm-hmm. how he came back and how he soared his play. I would consider doing that again just to, again, give him that rest, give him a little bit of extra time off. He's a guy that plays so hard and plays so many minutes for you. And then, Blake, you just need to somehow try to keep Blake fresh. You're not going to beat Golden State if they're playing full force. Succeed that game, and and you know let Thon and, and Zaza absorb minutes. Um, you know do whatever. Just let you know lose the Golden State game. That's fine. And then you know against Denver, you can try obviously win. But that's another tough game for them because right now Denver is healthy. They're playing good basketball. But you know good teams got to find a way to win against yeah. other good teams. So that's a game where the Pistons need to go out. You don't rest anyone. You play with force, you know. You play with everyone, and you try to win that game. But um, this is this is a tough stretch for Detroit. It, it, I think it's important that they come out and win two of these games, or, or at least win the Portland game, because I think you should be able to beat Portland without CJ McCollum. Um, but you know, we'll see. This is these are telling times for the Pistons, and as the season winds down, we got to see how legitimate this team is. No, I I'm in agreement with you. I don't think it's wrong to have an expectation for the Pistons to win one out of three on this little three-game stretch. And that one, I agree, needs to be Portland. No C.J. McCollum. They should be able to go in and win that game. I'm not saying it's a gimme, nothing like that. But this should be the one. And your idea to uh, rest uh, Dre and Blake for that Golden State game, 
interesting thought, but I tend to agree with that. Uh, secede that game, like you said. Keep those guys fresh. Go in and try to win that Denver game. Because after that, you play Orlando, and that's a win you have to get there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm fine if the Pistons pull out that Portland game. Right. <clears throat> Maybe giving away, I guess you can say, the Golden State game. Because no matter how good of a fight you put up, if Golden State's at full strength and you're at full strength, the towel, I don't think fine. you're winning that game. I think that's just a fact. If you can, take two, if you can fight for two of three... Throw that. Game I mean, like if you're going into the Denver game with a win against Portland and arrested Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, I can deal with that. Yep. Giving your chance to win that Denver game, I can deal with that. I can live with that, and that leads right into the New Orlando game, which you have to take as well. Yep. So I'm fine with that stretch, and I think it's. I don't think it's wrong to have the expectation that the Pistons win in Portland. I think this stretch though will really tell us if Detroit's going to be the sixth or the seventh seed. Because if Detroit goes out, loses all three, finds themselves at 37 and 37, right there in the mix with Brooklyn, maybe even being drum- jumped by Brooklyn, I think you'll know where Detroit stands. If they win two of these games, though, I don't think they'll look back. They've got games, a couple versus Indiana still on the schedule. They've got Orlando on the schedule. They've got Memphis on the schedule. they got Charlotte on the schedule. New York on the schedule. I mean, they got some winnable games. Oh, absolutely you know? winnable games. So, here, let's just rewind for a minute. When we did the poll at the All-Star break, we asked how many winnable games were on Detroit's schedule. Ryan said, what, 17? 17. And, but everybody was comfortable saying, oh, they'll win 12 to 14. Yes. Right? Everybody was like, oh, they'll probably go about 500. But there's at least 17 winnable games on that schedule. They're 11 and 4 since the break. And yeah, so they're proving, they're proving the point that there were 17 winnable games. Absolutely. And honestly, it's made it into 1920 winnable games. Right, because you look at the, the games that they lost, the, the San Antonio game they lost was a game they could have won. That was winnable. Um, that turned into one. You know, you hate to say Brooklyn and Miami weren't winnable games. No, those were winnable they were games. They were very winnable games. Just, you just didn't play well. Score. Just didn't play well. Um, and then Cleveland, the Cleveland was game. a winnable game. I mean, and we want everything else. Uh, exactly. So, they're they've proven the point that there were seventeen plus winnable games, and now if they do the twelve to fourteen wins, that is a huge letdown at this point. Oh, absolutely, huge letdown. That means they win what? Three, if they get the fourteen, they would only they win three, three more games. More games. Right. Huge letdown at that point. Yeah, and they they might be out of the playoffs at that point. Uh, they'd flirt with it, no doubt. So, well, here's the thing: we, we talked about that Orlando game for a second, but Orlando's <coughs> right there. You know, they're the game and a half back of the eight seed, and with the six through eight seed being so close in the East, they're right in that mix. That's so what I'm saying. Detroit, they need to win a game, at yeah. least one game on you know, in this last three games of the road trip, and then they they have to beat Orlando because they've struggled against Orlando. Have to. You have to push them back because they're right there. Now, the, the Heat playing good basketball. The Heat have won three in a row. Brooklyn won their last game, and Brooklyn, we know that they're a good team. So this isn't over for the Pistons. They don't have this clinched as a playoff spot. And, you know, it's good that they've come out since the All-Star break and they've played such good basketball. Like, that's awesome. But it's not like anyone in the Eastern Conference has let up. They're still right on their tails. So there's no let up, there's no leeway for the Pistons to go on a losing streak. they got to put together some wins, keep trucking along. That's why I'm not mad at the thought of, hey, go beat Portland and rest up Lake and Dre. And then go, and then go attack and then go attack it the yeah. rest of the way. I'm not mad at that thought. Is Dwayne Casey gonna do that? No. Probably not. No, no, not probably not. Absolutely not. He will not rest Dre. He they will have, they absolutely will not. He's he's even said it in a couple couple games ago in his post game presser. He said, Dre's a young man, he's twenty five, he doesn't need rest, he can go out every night and play. 
So he's not resting Andre Drummond. But even if he doesn't rest Andre Drummond, giving Blake that day off in Golden State if they win the Portland game, I'm still fine with. And the thing is, I don't necessarily disagree with the idea that, you know, Andre's only 25, he can go out and play every game. You're not wrong. He can and he will. But at the same time, there's just a little bit of a, you know, you're starting to see the benefit of giving a guy a rest night here and there. And we already saw with some rest, Andre come out, and he came out and has played so well since that injury you know, when he got that little bit of extra rest, it just kind of tuned him up. So, he's not wrong. Andre can come out and play. You know, he's 25. He has no problem with the workload that he has. But at the same time, it also benefits your team a little bit. And when you're going to lose to Golden State, in Golden State anyway, give him, give him the night off and rest. Hell, I, would, I wouldn't even be mad if they did it with Reggie Jackson either. Man, you know, <laughs> preserve Reggie Jackson too. <laughs> The big three of Detroit all sitting out against Golden State. What? What a time. Will never happen. What, it won't happen at all. I just think there's... That's an interesting thought, obviously, though. Obviously, you want to keep Blake as rested as possible. And, like, Blake should be an automatic rest against Golden State. Mm-hmm. And then I think you should rest Andre. And I wouldn't be opposed to resting Reggie. But I think they have to rest Blake against Golden State because Blake has just looked so much more tired lately. He's not playing as well as he has been. And, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of him coming down to earth a little bit because he has played so well. It's been a career year for him. You expect his play to come down a little bit, I guess. I don't want to question a guy's motor, but what if it's him kind of letting off the reins a little bit here so he's kind of getting that in-game rest, you know what I mean, and letting his team take over the uh, the um, the load of the load of the game, you know what I mean? What if he's just kind of, hey, I'm going to pull it back until the last few games in the playoffs, and then I'll kick it back into gear. And you got to hope that's the case, but... At the same time, I don't think that's what it is. But what if he is trying to reel it in a little bit to go full force at the end? He's saddling so much on three-pointers. I think he shot 11 or 12 three-point shots yesterday. And, like, you just can't have that. You can't have a guy that is really only a 36% 36 three-point shooter taking 11 three-pointers. You know, he only made two. He's taking uh, too many of his shots from beyond the arc. He's not playing... Uh, with a consistent energy on defense. You know, yeah, he's going to give you that charge here or there, and that's great, but he just doesn't go out and contest enough shots. He doesn't move fast enough. He just looks tired. You know, I just think you've got to try to rest him. I don't think you're wrong, and I don't disagree. I'm just trying to offer a different, hey, maybe he is reeling it in a touch until that final stretch where he kicks into gear. Sure. Well, let's take it into a different gear here. So we got some uh, some Pistons Twitter kind of getting in the mix. A few questions for the podcast. Our guy Bravo um, was tweeting at Aaron. He wanted to, Aaron to talk a little bit about you know some of the team's rotation issues. Is there a role for Kyrie Thomas? Is there a role for Svee? Um, you know, Aaron, you want to touch on that? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it first, and then Ryan can answer. I think that there just isn't right now because. Langston Galloway has played so well. Since You're talking about a role for Kyrie or Svee. Correct. This year, I just don't think there is because Kyrie, or excuse me, Langston has come out since the All-Star break and played so well. He's shooting the ball as hot as he has. And then you have Luke Kennard taking those minutes that he obviously deserves and should get on a nightly basis. And then I still think Glenn Robinson can play a role here or there on the wing because Detroit needs size on the wing. And I know uh, Robinson has been playing a lot of his minutes off the bench at the four spot, but... Unless, you know, Langston goes down or Luke, you know, has to miss some time 
or a starter goes down. There just really isn't a role for either of them. And both have looked good when they've gone down to the G League. I know both have recently spent some time down there. And Svee looks comfortable when you know when he gets his handle in the basketball, playing some point guard. And Kyrie just looks like he doesn't you know he doesn't belong out there. He's, he's so good, he's so comfortable. So I think down the line. You know, they'll obviously have roles on this team, but just not this year. There's just too many guys ahead of them. And, and you know, when you have them playing well, like like a, like a Langston Galloway has, you just can't give up the spot. More so Svee than Kyrie. you got to remember, Svee was a late-round second, late second-round pick. Excuse me. He was just getting comfortable in the Lakers system, in their organization. He wasn't even playing a lot there. To get moved at the deadline to a completely new system. In a new team, in a new city, all new everything, he was never going to be part of the rotation this year. That's too much to ask of a late second round pick guy. There, Like you said, there is a role for him going forward, but in terms of this year, there is no role for him. He is the inactive practice guy. Dress him if you have an injury. That's his role. As far as Kyrie Thomas goes, same thing. He's too good for the G League, and there's a role for him going forward. But with guys like Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard playing well, and then Ish playing the backup point guard minutes and playing those well, there's just not a spot for him at the moment. We will see them in the future, and I'm excited for their futures. But at this current time, there's just no role for them. So now quickly, different gear. Let's talk about a potential Pistons draft pick. They're probably looking somewhere between the 16 to 20 range uh, where they'll end up in the draft. And um, Again, Aaron, I'll start with you because I'll give my thoughts on this too. I'll see if you guys match up with where I'm thinking. Pistons are drafting today. Who are they going with? Yeah, and, and we're, let's kind of just combine this with another question that, that came in while we were recording from Lions Bob 123 uh, asking about the draft, brought up a guy like Fletcher McKee, who's obviously had a really nice game in the NCAA tournament last night. Uh, and then he talks about Kobe White, Marcus Howard, or then a couple guys from Gonzaga and Brandon Clark and Rui Hachimura. Uh, where the Pistons are at, they're probably drafting right now at, what would it be, 16? 17, I, I believe 17, 17 right now would be their spot. So yeah. when you look at some of those names that are brought up, Colby White's going to be off the board. Uh, Brandon Clark will probably be off the board. Rui Hachimura will likely be off the board. If not, I do like Hachimura as a fit. He's a bit of a, you know, he's a. Th- I think he's more of a four, but he's six eight. So I don't know if he has the size to play the four. Uh, he's a little slower. They're projecting Hachimura to be a, like a ten eleven pick. Yeah, I figured he'd probably be off the board. I think when you're lo- where you're looking for where Detroit's drafting, a guy that stands out to me is Nikhil Walker Alexander. Uh, I like his combo guard versatility. Can shoot the ball. Grew a lot as a passer this year. It doesn't turn the ball over, and you know he, he is a distributor as well. It gives him some size as a as a point guard, but can also play the two. Um, but it's just the problem is Detroit needs a small forward or they need to draft a backup big. I'm not sure what's really out there. A guy that I really like is Bruno Fernando from Maryland. Uh, if Detroit were to go for a center, I do really like Fernando. I think he's got a nice offensive game. Has grown a lot as a passer this year. Obviously, can rebound and defend as well. He's you know he's a growing rim protector. But you know when it comes to the names that have been brought up, you know in this tweet. I just don't think a lot of them are going to be on the board. They could go for Marcus Howard, but Howard's probably a second-round pick, so that's someone they could circle back to in the second round. Um, but Fletcher McGee, yeah, I guess they could also take a flyer on in the second round as well. The names that are going to be there for the time when the Pistons are drafting are going to be Bruno Fernando, Walker Alexander, Trey Jones, Kevin Porter. Those are the type of names that are going to be there around 17. 
And it all depends really on what Detroit wants to do with their point guard position. Are they bringing back Ish Smith? Do they like someone in free agency? Because I can see them reaching for Trey Jones at 17, which, yes, that is a bit of a reach, but in a draft that is not stacked in the point guard position, Trey Jones makes sense. Now his three-point shooting is at 24% this year, which is alarming. But he's an elite defender, he's a good passer, and you can work on your shooting. It's not like his shot's broken. You can work on it. So that's someone I can see the Pistons taking. Another one I love. Love, love, love Bruno Fernando. Yeah. I've watched him a ton this year. Great on the offensive end. I would say he's past a growing rim protector. I think he's a good rim protector, can become a great rim protector. He's aggressive on the rebounding like Andre Drummond. I'm not saying he's as good of a rebounder as Andre Drummond is, but he is aggressive when it comes to rebounding. He's a good defender. I love that guy. If he's there, that's someone I think you have to take a chance on. Um, but it all depends on what Detroit wants. And I know they need a wing. I think Walker Alexander is another guy. There's those three guys. I really like them. Mm-hmm. But I just think, if you ask me, the Pistons are looking at backup big and point guard with that first spot. Unless they really, really, really fall in love with someone like Walker Alexander or Kevin Porter or someone like that. One other guy. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brian. One other guy I really like that probably doesn't fit with the Pistons just because they have Blake Griffin as their power forward. I really do like P.J. Washington from Kentucky. Probably can only play the power forward at the NBA level just because of his size. He's 6'8", but a little bit bigger. Um, but he shoots a three ball really well. He's grown so much. He's a double-double guy. He's a threat uh, in that regard as well. He just knows how to play the game, makes mm-hmm. the right play. I really do like P.J. Well, Washington in this draft. So maybe not for the Pistons, but uh, you know, just as a general guy, P.J. Washington, excuse me, that's, that's a guy to keep your eye on. I like him, too. Well, listen, Bruno Fernando, I, I agree, would be an excellent selection. The big thing is, what are you doing with Don Maker? You know, what's his future look like? Are you going to invest in him? Or are you going to get you know give up on him? Or well, you, you you have you're giving up on Zaza, more. I think, if you yeah, take Bruno yeah. Fernando. Yeah, and the thing is, is uh, you know, you have Maker on his rookie contract for one more season mm-hmm. uh, following this year. So we've seen him play both four, the four and the five. So I think you could... Take either a four or a five and have him just play the other position or have him be injury insurance for the mm-hmm. other position. Um, I think he has a role on this team, but Thon just has a, Thon has a lot of work to do, man. I, I really like Thon, you know, at the beginning of the you know his time in Detroit, but as you watch him more and more, you just see he's why so, they were so, so willing to draw. <laughs> yeah, and you see why it only cost Stanley Johnson to get Thon Maker. You know, his hands, uh, his offensive game is just not very complete. Yes, I know he can. You know, shoot the three ball, but inside he's not strong enough to finish. Yeah. You see, when he goes up, his shots just go. And if he faces a little bit of contact, his shot just goes absolutely awry. He can't finish under contact just because he's just not strong enough to. So, uh, I think they could look for another big man in the draft. But I think they really, you know, I they they could literally look at any position, not named shooting guard. Because I think there's a, a, a spot to be had or a hole well, to be filled at any position. That's why I also like Cameron Johnson from North Carolina. Shoots Love three him. ball real well. Um, yeah, I think he's shooting close to 50% yeah. on about six, seven attempts a game. I think Cameron Johnson's a nice addition. I know Ryan didn't mention him because he's a Duke guy and he'd never want to throw out a UNC guy. But uh, uh, I, well, I think Cameron Johnson would fill a great potential spot in that second unit. All right, let me just say this. I love Cameron Johnson. Should, should have transferred to Michigan. That's all I'm going to say. Should have transferred to Michigan. I'm pretty, still bitter about that. Um, I love Cam Johnson. I think his draft stock right now depends on his tournament run. Yeah. 
Some people view him as a first-round pick. Most still view him as a second-round pick. If he, if North Carolina goes on a run and he's a big-time contributor to that run, you will see him bump up into the first round, into the mid-first round. And if they took Cam Johnson, I wouldn't have a problem with it. See, here's the thing with Cam Johnson. And, you know, coming in, it was really the Duke-UNC game that, that kind of shot him up draft boards and started to get him that first-round talk. But at 6'8", he's got great size for a small forward, shoots the heck out of the basketball, but he's 23 years old. He's, you he's don't an see older teams, gentleman. You don't see teams spend a first-round pick on a 23-year-old player mm-hmm. almost turning 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm the Pistons, you know, I know if I'm picking at 17, Cam Johnson probably isn't on my draft board. But I would, I would be fine taking him. You know, the Pistons aren't really looking for a home run pick. And, and, and the other thing, this is draft class that's not that deep. And if Cam Johnson, let's say, he slides into the first round of the twenty three range, right, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, Detroit could even find a way to maybe trade back, add a minor addition, whether it's maybe a future protected pick or, or a second uh, round, yeah, because exactly. they got to replenish the second round picks that Stan Van Gundy traded away as right. well. And all of a sudden, you slide down. Maybe you still take a guy like Cam Johnson. You get a good shooter. You don't invest as much into it. You get something else in return with that second-round pick. That could be a strategy for Detroit yeah. as well and come I, draft day. And if I'm Detroit, I like I, I want to get a guy that can play some minutes for me. I think Cam Johnson next year could just play minutes because mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I think he could just slide and, right in. And he shoots the ball so well, would just fit in, give some size, give Detroit some much-needed size on the wing because like I, it's just so apparent and it's going to be exposed really badly in the playoffs how undersized Detroit is on the wing for sure. Well, we. Uh, here in this final segment now of the podcast, want to add, uh, welcome one of our newest members to the Palace of Pistons staff, Mr. Dominic Scaturro. He's been here live with us as we record the podcast today. Dominic's going to do some writing for us and providing content for Palace of Pistons. So, Dominic, welcome aboard. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Excited. Good year to join. Playoff year. Yeah, and Dominic, why don't you just tell the the people listening a little bit about how your your Pistons fandom grew and came to where it is today? To now be joining and writing on a, on a staff on the staff here. Well, uh, probably begin with you know we had a lot of good years uh, coming up through my childhood, and then you know kind of dropped off here. Been through the ten year drought, but uh, through high school, I like going to a lot of games, and uh, you know just being around the NBA, big NBA guy in general, and. Uh, my senior year of high school, I uh, purchased my own ticket package, and I guess that's really when I fell in love with the franchise and all aspects of it. And you know, it's it's just kind of something day in and day out. I'm I'm looking at. It. I'll be paying attention to all three games that affect us tonight between Orlando, Brooklyn, and uh, and um, who's the other one tonight? Orlando, Brooklyn plays tonight, Miami. and Miami plays tonight, yeah, so all three of those games, and yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited to come aboard and provide content and, you know, help grow the fan base, get people back into it as the Pistons look to uh, have an exciting future, hopefully here soon, and move up to the standings. Yeah, and well, you've heard us talk, you know, this whole show, why don't you talk to talk to us a little bit about what you think the Pistons are going to do this season, are they a sixth seed, are they a seventh seed, could they drop out of the playoffs, what do you think? Uh, personally, I think that uh, this is a playoff team. I think that this is a 6-7 seed playoff team. Uh, you know, you look at the other teams that surround Detroit and uh, could slide past them or just under them. I think that our schedule remaining is, um, like Ryan said, very, very winnable games. And uh, I think that we have one of the best coaches in the league to help get us there experience in this situation 
So, uh, yeah, I think that this team's going to end up in the sixth seed. I could see them wanting Toronto, but I don't, I don't see that being Dwayne Casey's motive in trying to get them into the seventh seed. So I, I would say I think this is a sixth seed playoff team who uh, could win a game, and uh, I think that'd be a great year for us this year. So, and I'll, I'll open this now to the entire table here. We got a question in from Tony East. He's a blog writer um, for an Indiana Pacers blog, 8.9 seconds. And, and Tony pretty much just writes, why does it feel like most Pistons people um, that he follows are enthused about the Raptors in the first round rather than playing Philly? And um, to me, that's a damn good question from Tony. And I know that you guys kind of touched on it earlier. You talked about the favorable matchup for Andre Drummond, which I do see is valid. Um, but aside from that, you know, why don't and, and you know we could start Aaron with you. Why you'd rather play Toronto instead of Philly? Well, I, I think when we look at Philadelphia's roster, and again, I just talked about the Pistons' need for wings. Philadelphia's got some wings. Jimmy Butler, six seven. Tobias Harris, six nine. And you know, obviously, Ben Simmons is a bit is a six nine, six ten point guard. They have a lot of size, and Detroit cannot guard size. They just don't have size. You're gonna have Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, and Wayne Ellington. Those are all guys six five and under, trying to guard a six seven, a six nine, and a six ten. It's just not gonna work for the Pistons. They don't have the size to defend a Philadelphia team. I think when you look at the way Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond match up. Obviously, like Ryan said, Embiid's going to win that matchup, and we've seen Andre struggle with Embiid um, earlier in the season. And when you look at the way the Pistons played the the Sixers earlier this year, it took a, a big game from Blake to win them the game that they won against them. And we saw in the other game Andre get flustered and Joel Embiid go off. And we haven't even the Pistons haven't even played the 76ers since they acquired um, Tobias Harris, and they missed Jimmy Butler in a game. So they haven't seen a, a, this version of the Philadelphia 76ers. The 76ers have the, one of the best starting lineups in the, starting lineups in the league. Uh, since the trade deadline, their starting lineup has the best net rating of any starting five in the league. Uh, the only problem is they don't have as much depth as they did. They because have no depth. They, they have are, zero depth. Well, it's because you know they have, as the stats say, the most positive starting lineup in the league. Uh it's just not a good matchup for Detroit, and uh, they still have JJ Redick. You know that's another guy that you you, know, you just kind of forget about. Ben Simmons, JJ Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid is a great starting five. That's a great starting five, and then you know they have a Mike Scott off the bench who isn't great, but then they have James Ennis. There's some there's a couple pieces there off the bench that maybe aren't great, but they're serviceable and. I'm worried about Detroit being able to have to guard all those wings. And again, the star power and the big-time shot-making with guys like Jimmy Butler. It's going to be extremely, extremely tough for Detroit to even win a game in a series against Philadelphia. Are you just going to fail to mention Boban in that sentence about their depth? Boban, I love you. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about Boban. Thank you. you got to remember, in the playoffs, bench rotations are going to shorten. A lot more minutes are going to the starters outside of, you know, foul trouble. So depth being a concern for Philly is not the worst thing. And it's like Aaron said, the matchups on the wings are horrendous for Detroit. Don't get me wrong. You're not wrong that Toronto is a scary, scary proposition to have in the first round. This is really a no-win for the Pistons here. And I'm not going to argue that. But I think the Pistons just could sneak a game or two or have a better chance to sneak a game or two against Toronto because they're not facing that type of length, 6'10", 6'9", 6'7", when all of our wings we're trotting out there are 6'5", 
with average or below average wingspans. That's just a huge issue for Detroit. And when Drummond's going to most likely lose his matchup to Joel Embiid, you need those other guys to step up, and that is going to be hard for Luke Kennard, who's 6'5 and has a negative wingspan, Wayne Ellington, who's 6'5 and has a pretty average wingspan, and is an average defender going up against a guy like Jimmy Butler. It's just, it's not conducive to even coming close to winning a game, I think, in the playoffs. I don't know. To me, I, I just look at it and I go, if I don't have to play Kawhi Leonard, give me that team. All right, dude, There's I get nobody it. Off, like, Kawhi Leonard is a stone-cold killer. And that's why you don't want to play him. Did you see his face when Paul George tried bodying him the other oh, day? Oh, I, I That sure was did. hilarious. And I get that. But I think the Pistons, Pistons can overcome a duo of Lowry and Leonard better. I'm not saying they're going to win the series, but better than a literally – Five-man rotation of Embiid, Redick, Simmons, Harris, and Butler. Well, let's not forget, like, Siakam on Toronto really hurt us the last time. Ibaka's I get it. played really Siba- well for yeah, Toronto. Yeah, Siakam. Throw, throwing Siakam in there, sure. You know. Agreed. So it's not like Toronto has... They're not scrubs, dude. No one is saying they're scrubs. They're in the second Detroit for a reason. Detroit has a better chance to win a game or two. I think I just disagree. I don't know. I you're wrong, Brennan. Tom, tell us what you think. Tom, what do you think here, bud? I think there's two ways to look at this, and they're drastically different. I think the first way that you can look at this is if you're in the front office of the Detroit Pistons, and then there's a way that we look at it, and there's the fan output on it. And to run through some of the things as a fan, I don't want to watch Andre Drummond play Joel Embiid in a series. I don't. I've seen it enough this year. Um, The second thing, I don't want to see... The Detroit Pistons travel to Philadelphia and play. They're top three in attendance. That's a rowdy crowd to play in front of. I'd much rather take the emotional. See, the thing is, Brennan, if if, if we play Toronto, the emotional side is on us. It's it's on our side. Dwayne Casey going to Toronto, 3-0 against them this season. The momentum and the emotional side of that playoff series sides with the Detroit Pistons. Both these teams are great teams. Like Ryan said, it's a lose-lose situation. But as a fan, and I've, I've been to both, I've seen us play Toronto this year, and I've seen us play Philly. I was in the billing for both of one of those games. I would much rather watch the Detroit Pistons battle with the Toronto Raptors in the first round. And what we don't know, Kyle Lowry was better in the playoffs last year. I don't. I and we saw Kyle Lowry shoot the lights out one time here in Detroit already this year, and they didn't have Kawhi, but we still beat him. And I th- I think that the matchups favor us much more. And, and another thing that I put down is something that Ryan mentioned: how much does depth matter in the playoffs? Because those longer minutes that those starters are going to get for one, and um, the other thing is that. Toronto and Philly are different in the fact that Philly has, you know, like Mike Scott, that size off the bench that we do not have to come in. And like bulk, bulk guys. Like Thon Maker, he's some foot guy. But if you put a guy down in the post on him and he's swinging his arms, he's either drawing a foul, maybe blocking the shot, or they're putting a bucket up on him. So I just think all around, I would. Enjoy much more 
losing to Toronto in a series than losing to Philadelphia in a series. I'd be much more content as a fan. I do not want... This is my, honestly, number one reason. I do not want Philadelphia, and specifically Joel Embiid, to have the satisfaction of beating us in the playoffs. I'd rather them take care of that with Brooklyn and not have to listen to it on social media. So let me give you two things. If you're this one, Detroit you're talking about not wanting to travel to Philly because they're top three in attendance. You no matter where you go, it's have the opportunity to see and how your team stacks plays up Toronto versus Detroit Joel Embiid and the 76ers. Because I don't know. Like this just all goes back to my fundamental disagreement on everything going on in Detroit. Because we're sitting here worried about if we were actually going to be a team that at some point not this year but at some point is a true contender we wouldn't be worried about playing Philadelphia and if Andre Drummond is as good of a guy and as good of a player as good of a center as we're making him out to be we would not be crapping our pants to him playing Joel Embiid in the playoffs now listen Joel Embiid will give Andre the work like it'll be dirty like yes I understand why you'd rather see Toronto because it's a more favorable matchup for Andre Drummond but at what point is that just is this not acceptable anymore? Is it hey, listen, if we can't beat Joel Embiid with Andre Drummond, then what are we doing with this guy? Because Joel Embiid's going to be here for a while, you know. Um, I think the depth will be a little more important than it's giving credit for in the playoffs, only because let's say Philly has a guy get hurt, let's say Philly has a guy get in foul trouble. Um, you know, Philly's got one or two guys that just go cold. You know, J.J. Redick won't go cold, but let's say Tobias really struggles. Let's say Ben Simmons starts to struggle. You know, let's say somehow Embiid gets hurt. Besides, was it Mike Scott? They don't really have anything off the bench. Besides Bobon. Are we going to play the what-if game, though, rather than uh The fact is, Siakam, Lowry, and Kawhi are way better than anything that Philadelphia can throw at you. That is just not true. Not versus not, not versus, versus the us. Pistons. Uh, I, in general, absolutely. But versus Lowry, uh, Lowry, Leonard, and Siakam are not greater than Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and JJ Redding. Look, and that's not that's not to say that Toronto is you know that Danny Green and Marcus All are two scrubs of starters because they're not. But the starting lineup again, they have the the Philadelphia 76ers starting lineup of those five. Is by far I, I, and away the best it, starting five unit in the NBA right now. It, it's still just a matter of, I, I don't know. I, I don't like playing against one of the top three to five players in the league in the playoffs and saying that we have a chance to beat them. Flip the what if we're going to do the what if thing. Flip the what if on us versus Philadelphia. So what happens if Reggie Jackson rolls his ankle? And goes down, and you're trotting out Ish Smith versus Ben Simmons. Well, it wouldn't matter if it happened versus Toronto or Philly; it would be over. You, I don't know. I I think Ish lot favorable it's matchup to versus Toronto. Toronto. It's going to be so much easier to defend It'd be Toronto. way easier. You have no size on this team. The Pistons are small as hell. Ben they have Simmons no shot at defending. They have no shot at defending any of the big players that Philadelphia. Has. I will and guard. Philadelphia is a I big will team. guard. I, I I will guard. It's just like Boston. Detroit gets no. annihilated by Boston's wings because they have no size. This isn't even a. This isn't even a, a, a debate. It, there's. It's You're looking at size. I think I'm looking more at like the just sheer one-on-one talent. Guarding Lowry, okay, guarding and, Kawhi. And we saw and the just, Pistons win against Kawhi Leonard the other day when Kawhi went with off with no Lowry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You said I'm looking at the sheer one-on-one talent. 
Kawhi but, is the one. Oh my god! And Kawhi went off for thirty-three, and the Pistons were still able to get the job done. There's a reason everyone at this table is telling you wrong. There's a reason that when I say, "Hey guys," uh, because hey, you because you've say, seen the Pistons beat Toronto three times, everyone's gonna tell you you're wrong. That's fine. Everybody could tell me I'm wrong. I don't care. Listen, you've seen the Pistons beat Toronto three times, and there's an asterisk next to two of those times, and the first one. Was they're, they're two totally different teams today than they were then. Okay, and they've lost to Philadelphia twice, and the only time they won was when they had Blake Griffin go off for fifty plus points. And when they lost to Philadelphia, when they lost to Philadelphia, Philadelphia didn't have Tobias Harris. Joel Embiid sat one of the games, and Jimmy Butler sat the other game. It's it's but you're you're not taking game into account playoff match. mode. You're not taking into account playoff mode, uh, Kawhi Leonard. What do we make of Ka- Kawhi's been off a year? So I mean, like. When playoff comes, I'm, I'm not. I like Kawhi. I think he's a great player, but, but I mean, I'll put I'll put this out there: if the Pistons play the Raptors in the playoffs, Detroit will lose every game by double digits. Oof. Newsflash: they're not going to win a playoff series, so it doesn't matter. But that that okay, Brennan. You know you you got your mindset. They'll lose every game by double digits. I know you personally, unfortunately. Fact. I know you don't change your opinion all Fact. Anything. So. You know, let's just what, end it there. What, not do, gonna, not what, what do you what do you see them doing versus Philadelphia? Losing in five, and grabbing one at home. Yes, I I'm not saying that you're wrong about that. I but my personal opinion, if I'm just going off of who do I think they have more of an opportunity to get swept by, I think it's Philadelphia. I don't know. I but like we said, and like Aaron said. What it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't There's a lot winning the series, and, and Brennan's oh. got a harder head than anyone else in the world. <laughs> hey, so. just again, just to throw that reminder out there. Um, so, you know, it's just you're going off one single player instead of an entire team, and that's where my problem with your argument. I, lies. I went off three. I went you, off three. You're go, you've See, gone strictly off quiet. You're you're like, oh yeah, sure. You're going one on one, one on one, one on one. Your whole quiet. argument is quiet. Sure, you're sprinkling in Lowry and Siakam here and there, but your whole argument is quiet. If we can't kind of, sort of stop one guy a little bit, then this team is screwed, Brendan. We're done. You're right. I'm telling you, and up. I'm telling you they can't. And I've also said that all year. So. Well, we're gonna find out one way or the other. We are. Right. I guess we will. This is a three and zero against the Raptors this year. Just leaving it there. So, well, Detroit's got three big road games coming up. That West Coast trip: Portland, Golden State, Denver. I think we'll see a lot of where they'll end up in the playoffs. That six seed or the seven seed um, after this three game stretch, and then of course coming home to play Orlando. So, big few games coming up for the Pistons. Uh, but you know what? Before you go, don't forget like. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons, Instagram at Palace Pistons. You can follow Aaron at A Johnson NBA, Ryan at Ryan Pay, myself at Media Brendan Dom. My handle is Dominic Scateros. My full name. There you go. Just give us the follow on uh, Twitter. Check out the Facebook page, Palace of Pistons, and we will see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.